All right. Those of you who were here a year or so ago will know what that reference is about. Uh, I don't know if it was because of that or any other reasons, but uh, uh, Pastor Mark is away this weekend uh, delivering Eli to college. And so I ask you to be in prayer for uh, Steph and Mark and the family as they uh, oh, take one of those, uh, I'll say, major milestones of life, of seeing your, your first born off into the world. And, uh, oh my gosh, what a transition. I can still somewhat uh, feel that uh, experience that uh, we had with Natalie eh, a few years ago. Anyway, um, it's a, a great opportunity. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a blessing for me to be able to uh, come here this morning. Uh, Pastor Mark uh, threw out the invitation uh, to uh, we, uh, the Board of Elders, uh, about a month ago to say, hey, um, once again, I'm not going to be... Uh, in a church on Sunday, and any of you uh, want to step forward, is, is God laying a message on your heart? And for the first time, yay, the first time, right? Uh, I said yes. So there you go. See, even at almost 69, you can still be doing firsts. Uh, don't give up on God. He's uh, long-suffering and patient, right? And so he's willing to outweigh you. <laughs> and... Uh, so anyway, the reason I, I stepped forward and said, yes, I wanted to uh, have this opportunity was because I've been working on this. Well, actually, I shouldn't say I've been working on this. I should say God's been working on this in my heart and my mind for, oh, a year plus, okay? This, this whole idea of faith versus works. Um, I don't know if you've ever really wrestled with this. Uh, I, I've unfortunately listened to people I thought were very mature Christians, kind of have these tugs, tug of wars of faith and works and you should be doing this or you should be doing that or, or whatever. And while I see both sides of the argument, so to speak, um, I, I just always thought there's something deeper here. This isn't just faith and works and you know that kind of, as they say, is it really a tug of war? It's not. I, I don't think it is at all. But it seems like sometimes um, people kind of take that, that tact. So anyway, I will uh, dive into this. I've written it all down because there's no way I'd be able to remember it all. And uh, like I said, I've been working on this, uh, slash God's been working on this in my life for uh, well over a year. So let's uh, go at it. Oh, I'll also throw out a disclaimer. And that is if I step on anybody's toes, I don't mean to, Okay. Uh, you can blame Pastor Mark when he gets back. <laughs> Say, don't ever have him do that again. Um, but uh, that's not my intention. My intention is to just, just like I, I did with the, uh, the atomic fireballs um, in that talk. That was kind of provoked out of um, a message that uh, Pastor Mark had delivered, I guess, a week or two before that, about experience God. You know, don't make church about anything. You know, it's not a social event. It's not, you know, playing good. It's not whatever, it's, it's an attempt, it's a feeble attempt in many cases, to experience God, to let God work in your life and to communicate to you any way he can. And so the, the whole point of the Atomic Fireballs was, hey, if you haven't experienced intense flavor in a while, you know, try one of those, it'll wake you up. And the same is true. If you haven't experienced God and what an intense sensation that can be, reach out, reach out to God. So, all right, enough of that. 
The faith versus works debate often comes up in discussions of salvation. Some will say that faith is more important, while others will take the position that works are the key. Still others will say that a person is saved based on some mixture of uh, faith and works. And to potentially cloud the issue, come on, there we go. Uh, to, issue, uh, to potentially cloud the issue even further, biblically-based Christian doctrines teaches that our salvation is intertwined with faith in that it depends on us putting our faith in Jesus Christ apart from any works we do. So, without going down that rather strange path that Mark went last week of giving us all very weird choices, okay? Not, not going any further there. Do, do you see yourself fitting into any of those, okay? I mean, I think I covered most of them. But with your indulgence, hopefully by the time we get uh, to the end of this, you're going to agree with me that it's really none of the above, okay? There's that, always that favorite uh, wrinkle in multiple choice exams, right? None of the above. Um, but uh, all right, so let me work through this and hopefully you'll follow. In the faith versus works debate, the two sides maintain that either we're saved by faith and faith alone, or that we're saved by works, or more commonly, works added to faith. What scriptures use to support each position? Well, the faith side will use Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no man can boast." On the other hand, the works side will use James 2, 17 and 18. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. These people will argue that works are the evidence of genuine salvation. They are the proof in the pudding, so to speak. Good works are the evidence of one's faith. They are the obvious, visible result of having been justified by faith. The bottom line being that authentic, saving faith reveals itself through works. Is salvation by faith alone? Is salvation achieved through faith plus works? Something else? This is perhaps the most important question in all of Christian theology. This question was the cause of the Reformation, the split between Protestantism and Catholicism. This question is a key difference between biblical Christianity and most of the cults. Is salvation through faith alone or through faith plus human works? Stated another way, am I saved by trusting in Jesus or do I have to believe in Jesus and in addition to that, do certain things? Perhaps the best place for us to start is to clearly define what we mean by the terms faith and works. What's faith? Well, Hebrews 11.1 1 sets out this definition. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So faith is a belief so strong that we are assured that what we are hoping for will become reality, even though we cannot yet see it. If we have this faith that the Bible is talking about, we are convinced that what we believe is real, true, and reliable. The biblical object of our faith is in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. 
True faith in the Messiah has always been the identifying mark of God's people. And how important is faith? Well, Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must trust that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Here we can see that our salvation depends upon our faith in the saving work of Jesus Christ. He is our substitute and has taken sin's penalty for us, as stated in 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He is our Savior from sin, as recorded in John 1.29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the beginning and the end of our faith, as stated in Hebrews 12.2. Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. The work necessary to provide salvation was fully accomplished by Jesus himself, who lived a perfect life, took God's judgment for sin, rose again from the dead, and is even now waiting for us to be reunited with the Father. As Hebrews 10.12 puts it, when this priest, Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. I recently heard a professor of theology say that the opposite of faith is unbelief. He was making the comparison between faith and doubt, but I think he is correct to say it's really between faith and unbelief. Flipping that definition around would mean that the faith can be described as an act of believing. By expanding that one step further, we can state that because faith requires action on the part of the believer, that having a saving faith could be considered a work. People who hold this position will read Ephesians 2.8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, to mean that the grace is a gift from God and that the individual's belief in God's grace is an act of faith on their part. On the other hand, if you read Ephesians 2.8 to mean that grace through faith is the gift of God, then there can be no claim to any work performed on the part of the individual. But regardless of how we interpret that verse, we can praise the Lord for his power to save and for his grace to make salvation a reality, even if we're still wrestling with this concept of faith versus works. I think we can all agree that works can be defined as a person's actions or deeds. Work is an activity with a purpose. We often perform it for some kind of reward. We work at our jobs and we expect to receive a paycheck. Even working on a voluntary basis has its own reward. Praise from others, feeling of goodwill, etc. But in the context of salvation, works typically refers to the good deeds we do, especially religious or charitable acts or the observance of the Old Testament law. But within this discussion of faith versus works, we need to be clear that when the Bible talks of works, it clearly separates God's works from the works of man. Work is defined, or sorry, work is definitely required for salvation. But scripture is clear that those works are Christ's, not ours. Galatians 3, 23 and 4 explains the importance of Christ's coming in that before faith came, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until that faith that was to come would be revealed. 
So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. It was in Jesus' coming to earth in his sacrifice on the cross that we are reconciled to God as proclaimed in Romans 5, 1 and 6. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Then, as he died in John 1930, uh, as he died and is recorded in John 1930, Jesus proclaimed that in regard to his work on earth, it is finished. Works are the product of faith. Those who have true faith in Jesus Christ will be eager to do what is good. It comes from Titus 2.14. In Matthew 3.8, John the Baptist warned people to avoid God's wrath by producing fruit in keeping with repentance. John 2.17 and 26 emphasize the nature of true saving faith as that which results in good works. Quote, faith by itself is not accompanied by action, or faith by itself, if it is not accompanied, by action is dead and as the body without the spirit is dead so faith without deeds is dead grace through safe or grace through faith saves and that faith is manifest in works if someone claims to have faith yet exhibits no good works his or her faith is dead or non-existent james 224 concludes that you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. The Bible is quite clear that our own works are not what God is looking for. Titus 3.5 states that our salvation is not because of righteous things we have done. Ephesians 2.9 makes the point again that our salvation is not by works. Romans 3.10 states there is no one righteous, not even one which means that offering sacrifices, keeping the commandments, going to church, being baptized, reading the Bible, and other good deeds are not capable of saving anyone. Yes, those are all good things, but they aren't the source of our salvation. No matter how good we are, we can never measure up to God's standard of holiness. Romans 20, or 3, 23 and 4 makes this clear. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Come on. Whoop. See that? Oh, thank you, Drew. Drew and I are playing Tegelware. The idea that our salvation depends on works being added to our faith surfaces in different ways among various religious circles. Many groups point to water baptism as a work that must be added to faith for salvation. If you're not baptized, you're not saved. Some go even further. You must be baptized by the right minister using the right method, saying the right words, right? Others suggest different rites to be observed in order to be saved, but the formula is always faith plus fill in the blank. For example, salvation is through faith plus receiving mass, or faith plus going to confession, or faith plus tithing, or whatever. 
we might be tempted to write it out as that simple equation I put up there where X faith and Y works produces the result of salvation. Voila. But before concluding anything at this point, let's look at some additional verses that talk to us about salvation and grace. Salvation is by grace, and that precludes works. Grace is by definition unearned. And scripture makes it clear that God's grace in salvation destroys the argument for human effort. Going back to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And it's further clarified by Romans eleven six, which talks about our salvation as follows. If by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. Other passages that clearly teach salvation through faith alone include Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And Galatians 2.16, know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. There we go. At this point, let me address what some of you may be thinking. But what about that passage in the book of James, where it sure looks like justification is by faith plus works, after all, James 2.24 says, you see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. Well, come on. Well, before jumping to any conclusions that James is trying to minimize the importance of faith, I think it's worth taking a step back and looking at the context of this verse. We know from 2 Timothy 3.16 that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. We also know that from Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So how can the Bible say in Ephesians that for it is by grace you have been saved, and then in James say a person is considered righteous by what they do? Is God really contradicting himself? Is this the exception to the rule that God never changes? No, God's word is as true today as it was when it was written, and God does not change. So what do we do when we think that we are uh, facing contradicting passages of the Bible? There we go. The key is to realize that the Bible is God's word, not ours. It is God's revelation to us about himself and his kingdom. The purpose of Scripture is not for us to define a God that we can understand, it is not, I'm sorry, it is for God to use as a means of revealing himself to us. Let me repeat that. The purpose of scripture is not for us to define a God that we can understand and appreciate. It is God's means of revealing himself to us. So if we firmly grasp that God's purpose in giving us the scriptures is to reveal himself in his kingdom, then we understand that anything in scripture that appears to contradict itself must be a misunderstanding on our part. Did you catch that? God's purpose in giving us the scriptures is to reveal himself in his kingdom. That scripture we just looked at in Timothy didn't say that most scripture is God-breathed. It specifically used the word all. That means that anything in scripture that we interpret as contradicting, it, as contradicting itself means that our interpretation of what God is revealing to us is flawed. So with that in mind, 
Let's look more closely at that passage in James. The apparent problem of James 2.24 is resolved by examining the whole of James's argument in his epistle. This passage of scripture is refuting the idea that a person can, be, uh, can have saving faith without producing any good works. James goes on to say in chapter 2, verses 20 through 26, that genuine faith in Christ will produce a changed life that results in good works. James is not saying that justification is by faith plus works, but that a person who is truly justified by faith will have good works in his or her life. The point being made is that our works are the outward sign of a genuine faith in Christ. Perhaps this point is simpler to understand when Jesus uses the analogy of himself being like a grapevine. In John 15, 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We all recognize that the grapes on a grapevine are found on the branches. The grapes appear in the branches because they're part of the bigger grapevine. The grapes don't grow on the branches because of anything that the branches are doing on their own. They simply produce grapes because they are part of the vine. In the same way, our faith in Jesus is what connects us, the branches, to him, the vine. That combination produces the grapes, which in this case represents our works. So the point that God is trying to make in this analogy is that it should be just as common to see grapes growing from the branches of a grapevine as it is to see good works coming from the faith of a Christian believer. Likewise, it should be just as concerning if, it were, if we were to not see good works coming from a believer as it would be for a gardener to not see grapes coming from a branch on one of his vines. In either case, something is not happening the way God intended it to work. In Titus 2.14, Paul says, those who have true faith in Jesus Christ will be eager to do what is good. And if we return to that second chapter of Ephesians, immediately after teaching that we are saved through faith and not through works, Paul says in the very next verse, we were created to do good works. Salvation comes by God's grace through faith, and that faith is made manifest in good works. The works follow the faith and are a proof of it. Now, if we're going to put a major emphasis on the importance of works, we must qualify whose works. We are saved solely by the work of Christ on our behalf. We are not saved by our own works, however meritorious they may seem to be. It was Jesus' death and his resurrection that are the works that save us. Now that we've seen that our works are the result of our faith, I think that there's still another point to be realized and fully understood about faith and works. There's a passage in chapter 6 of John's Gospel that we haven't looked at yet, and as I pointed out before, if we want to understand what God is revealing about himself through the Bible, we have to be able to understand how every scripture on a given topic blends together. So here are the verses, 28 and 29. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the work God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Wait a minute. Let's look at that again. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Well, if God is claiming that our work is simply to believe in Jesus, 
then did God just say that our faith leads to works? Conclusion is really backwards? Perhaps it's time to go back to my math equation that I mentioned earlier in this message. You might remember when I suggested that maybe there's a formula we could write that says X faith plus Y works results in salvation. I think that from God's perspective, the equation is quite different. In God's math, the equation would be faith-based works, that's one thing, not two, results in salvation. Let me explain what I'm trying to say. If you accept the fact that the faith Jesus is talking about is not passive, but is in fact a very active thing, then even though we call it faith, it's also a work, which we had previously defined as an activity with a purpose. And if you also accept the fact that works, that I'm sorry, accept the fact that the works that Jesus is talking about are work or activity that's initiated by God the Father, then you can say that our work is actually an act of faith because it's brought about by our belief in God. And as we saw before in Ephesians 2.8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Then you can see that from God's perspective, our faith, our works, and our salvation are all tied together. Let me repeat that again so that hopefully you're following me on this point. If you accept the fact that the faith Jesus is talking about is not passive, but is in fact a very active thing, then even though we call it faith, it's something that we are actively living out. It is work. And if you accept the fact that the works that Jesus is talking about are the work or activity that is initiated by God the Father, then you can say that we are performing that work because of our faith. In God's math, as I'm calling it, the concepts of faith and works are synonymous. So there's nothing being added to the other. Each concept is just a different way to describe the same idea. And the result of the believer living out this combined idea is summed up by God as being what leads to our salvation. Okay, if at this point we're in agreement about how to uh, correctly combine all of these scriptures on faith and, faith and works then I think that it's important for us to expand on the meaning that God is pouring into these words so that we stop looking, them, stop looking at them as two separate things. We want to use these two words with the understanding that we are using them to describe what is essentially the same thing. First, when God talks about faith, he is talking about something very active. He is not talking about a passive faith. This is not a faith that says, Gee, I hope that fill-in-the-blank happens. Or, you know, I really wish that God would fill-in-the-blank. No, God is talking about an active, expectant, totally convinced way of thinking that what you are believing God will do will in fact occur. It may not occur when or even how you're expecting it to happen, but there will be no doubt in your mind that God is going to make it happen. This is the kind of faith that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 17, 26, when he says, Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, and you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And just in case you think that Jesus was using hyperbole and didn't really mean what he was saying, he's quoted again in John 14, 12 as saying, Truly, I tell you. Whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. 
Secondly, our concept of works has to be understood as works of faith, i.e. activity that's being directed by God through the Holy Spirit. Think about what Jesus says in Matthew 7.21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Jesus makes the point clearly in John 6.38 when he says, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. So the scriptural idea behind this concept of works is not about doing what we think we should be doing. It's not about how many times we come to church or how much of our money or time we give to church, how long our prayers are, or anything else that comes about from what we think is good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting that you stop doing any of those things. I'm just trying to put those works into context. In the book of Judges, we see the phrase, everyone did as they saw fit, repeated multiple times. Now hear me clearly on this point. God was not commending them for making good choices. No. He was condemning them for not following his leading. Remember that Isaiah says in chapter 64, 6, that all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. The analogy is clear. If our best or righteous acts are compared to somebody using filthy rags, then the result of our doing what we think are good deeds is likely going to end up being one big mess. So the works that God is talking to us about in Scripture are His works performed by us in His service. Scripture is filled with the concept of dying to self and becoming a servant to God. Servants do not create their own agenda or make their own plans. No, they listen to what their master tells them to do and they carry out their master's instructions. This concept of works of faith is not natural for most of us, especially in our current culture. We're much too accustomed to thinking thoughts like, here's how I'm willing to help, or... I think that this is what we should be doing. Maybe I can't help. Sorry, but it's not very, I'm just not very good at that. Or I'm sorry, but I'm much too busy to help right now. But none of those attitudes demonstrates any faith or understanding for what it is that God wants to do through you. Each of these statements are based upon that person's perspective of the situation. They aren't the kinds of things that you would hear a servant say. What kind of things might a servant do? What kind of things might qualify as works of faith or an active faith? Well, come back next Sunday. We're going to have a baptismal. I'm sure these people who are going to be being baptized next week aren't doing it because they need a bath or they got nothing better to do, cool off, you know. No, they're doing it because they understand it. Scripture has told us that we are to follow Christ in baptism. And so it's just an act of faith that God wants them to do. What else might be an act of faith or, or, or work of uh, faith? Uh, it could be delivering your first sermon ever. <laughs> uh, I'm only doing this because I've been feeling a prompting 
from God. I, not because I'm good at it. Not because I just woke up one morning and thought, hey, what the heck? Even simpler things. It can be just, ah, you know, you had this thought of, I should say hello to that person. Or I, maybe I should go over here and see how somebody's doing. Call them on the phone. Whatever. They don't have to be big. They just need to be initiated, not by us, but by God working through us. That's, that's what I'm trying to get through all this. It's just letting God work through us, okay? Isn't it telling that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, when the Apostle Paul is struggling with his own weakness, that the Lord told him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. When was the last time you asked God, what plans of yours are you trying to work out in my life? Well, hey, if you're not so comfortable with having that conversation with God, how about a much simpler one like, Pastor Mark, how can I help with what God is doing here in and through our church? Let me emphasize this point by examining a familiar passage of Scripture, Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We typically use this verse to talk about how God empowers us to do great things. I've even got a t-shirt that says it, right? But notice that the good works that we are to be doing are those that God has already planned in advance. Given that God has already made those plans, we aren't free to be making them ourselves. No. We have to be willing to listen to God, to learn what He wants us to do, and then join Him in making it happen. Isn't it telling that in the only prayer that Jesus ever taught anyone to pray, there's this phrase, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The only way that we can know that we are accomplishing God's will while we're here on this earth is if we've made the effort to know what His will is and join Him in getting it done. How you and I get better at performing <clears throat> faith-filled works or works of faith, I'm trying to say it both ways, is what the Bible is talking about in Philippians chapter 2 when it says, my dear friends, continue to work out your salvation. Notice that the Apostle Paul uses the phrase continue to work to describe each believer's lifelong activity. But developing our faith is a much, much broader topic that when I'm <clears throat> than what I'm trying to cover here this morning. As such, I'll just leave it <clears throat> for another day or, more realistically, a complete lifetime and let Pastor Mark handle it when he gets back. Ah, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to minimize the importance of each believer needing to develop their own faith. After all, Jesus had to chide his own disciples on multiple occasions for their lack of faith. My aim for this morning is simply to get us all aimed at the same goal by agreeing that the faith part, uh, faith part of the fakes. My goal. Hey, <clears throat> flawed as I am, but I think it's God's goal as well. My goal for this morning is simply to get us all aimed at the same goal by agreeing that the faith part of the faith works equation is about believing in God's redemptive plan for you, me, and all other people to the extent that we are producing godly fruit. And the works part of the faith works equation 
is about doing God's works, not yours, not mine. So why have I been focusing our attention on the meaning behind the words faith and works? Because I'm trying to make the point that when we define these words as being two different concepts, when we say faith and works, we're missing the bigger point that God is trying to make. It's only when we define these words to be two different perspectives of that same concept that we are not only holding to the scriptural guidance that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, but we're also thinking, as it says in 1 Corinthians 2, with the mind of Christ. For those of you who are more visual learners, perhaps my point will make more sense to you if I use a visual example. Let's use a circle to represent the concept of faith, and I'll use a square to represent the concept of works. I think we can all agree that circles and squares are so different that the old adage, you can't put a square peg in a round hole, seems perfectly reasonable. But what if the idea that God is trying to tell us that faith-filled works is what leads to our salvation is not simply about circles or squares? What if, in this analogy of mine, <clears throat> salvation is actually a cylinder? Then you can hold the cylinder sideways and say that salvation looks like a circle, right? But you can also hold the uh, cylinder sideways and say that salvation looks like a square or a rectangle. But each perspective, that is, whether you're looking at the circle or the square, is too simple to accurately describe what a cylinder, or in my analogy, uh, acts of faith or faith-filled works is all about. We only see the bigger picture when we understand how the two perspectives, that is faith and works, work together to describe something bigger than either one. And I don't know if this will make any sense, but I'll throw it out there anyway. Um, when uh, I was living in Italy um, and working there, I, it, one of the things, there's always uh, language issues, right? You're trying to figure out, you know, it's kind of the mapping of, you know, one word to another. Oh, what's the word for X? And, okay, great. Um, but it just in one of those discussions, and this was where I was in, in my career overall. It was kind of this transition out of corporate world and into entrepreneurial things. This concept of making money, okay? I don't know if, if that puts a thought in your head, but the best way for me to describe what making money is about is this idea that kind of as an entrepreneur, you, you have a, a thought of how to do something better, differently, how to bring something about new that's going to be more productive, more efficient. It's, it's going to create a uh, value beyond its own substance. And, and uh, later in, in life, I, I got into that side, and I, I think I was pretty successful at it. But this concept of making money, nobody in Italy understood it. They just, it's, it's, it's not a concept, okay? They have the concept of, of earning money. They have the concept of transferring money, giving money, uh, getting money. But this concept of creating something out of nothing, of, of becoming um, uh, wealthier, if you will, uh, by, by initiating some new work, right? It, it was foreign to them. And, and I, just for uh, my own curiosity, I, I've asked... 
uh, tour guides in other uh, countries that uh, we visited, whether in that culture <clears throat> they have this concept of making money. They don't. I, I don't know if it's just uniquely American, but um, even though in each language they have the, the, the words for make, you know, to make, and, and money, obviously, they don't have this concept of what, what happens when you put them together, is what I'm trying to say. And so I'm, I'm trying to, once again, kind of drive home this point of it's not the word faith and the concept that we typically associate with that, just a, a belief, and it's not just the concept of work of, oh, that's something I'm doing. It's what happens when you put them together. You're ending up with an act of faith. You're act, ending up with works of faith. Okay? And, and that's, that's my point here. So, what can we conclude about this faith versus works debate? My conclusion, which I think I've shown is based on a broad view of Scripture, is that there actually is no debate at all. Both faith and works are integral parts of the Christian walk. Boop. Our faith is all about having an active, engaged mind which relies on a firm belief in the promises and instruction of God as found in the Scriptures and revealed to us through the Holy Spirit. Our works are works of faith where we join God as He's working out His good and perfect plans through us. I'll finish by returning to a scripture which I briefly mentioned before. <clears throat> in the book of Philippians, Paul is writing to the early church in Philippi. He was discipling them on how the building up of their faith and the assurance of their salvation. He wrote in chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but how much more in my absence, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. May it be equally true of us today. As the worship team comes, would you join me in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father and Almighty God, I know that you gave me this message because I needed to hear it and to do a better job of living it out in my own life. Forgive me for being someone who is always busy doing things that are mostly of my own choosing. That busyness often prevents me from hearing your voice and instead fills my time with things that will not last. Help me to hear you more clearly so that I can be used more effectively in helping you bring about your plans and your kingdom on the earth, and in doing so, bring glory to you, God the Father. Likewise, I pray for those that hear this message, that they too will not only be hearers, but doers of the word. We live in a world that constantly demands our time and attention, which distracts us from spending time with you and your word. Jesus said that he was leaving earth so that a comforter could come. We thank you for that gift of the Holy Spirit and ask that by your Spirit we can all be renewed in our hearts and minds to hear your voice more clearly each and every day. May we all have a better understanding of our purpose in combining the faith you have given us and the works that you have prepared in advance for us to do. I pray this all in the precious name of Jesus, the Christ, our Savior, and the author and perfecter of our faith. Amen.